Totally Pro League, episode number four, Pro League well and truly underway and just about to finish up with the Southern Hemisphere jaunt, heading back to Europe very shortly and I'm very pleased to say that for the first time joining me as co-host on Totally Pro League we have Grant Schubert. Grant, thanks for joining us. Thanks John, it's uh, good to be here and uh, looking forward to having a a little chat about the Pro League, uh, where it's headed over the last month or so and um, seeing how this league finishes up. Well first of all, what have you been making of it? Are you enjoying the hockey? Yeah I think so, it's um, obviously completely different to, to what we've experienced in the past generally you have your, your tournaments that run over two weeks so look I think it's been really good we've had some good numbers with uh, the crowds and fans coming out to these games so look I think it's going to take a little while to, for, for it to catch on but uh, look hopefully we can keep the ball rolling and uh, you know get some history behind it. Well, let's talk about the results from the uh, the weekend, and it should be said midweek as well. We've had the first of our, our midweek games in the Pro League. It, uh, action got underway last Saturday. It was Australian men and women in action. Uh, first up, the men took on Spain and had a, a 2-1 victory there, and the women doubled that uh, in the second game uh, when Australia beat the USA, two goals to one. We had a look at the games. Uh, first up, the men's game. Um, yeah, look, it was uh, a couple of good games there. Very close, uh, 2-1 victories to the Australians. And, uh, look, I thought the, the guys played really well. I think they're starting to hit their straps earlier on in the tournament. Defensively, they're a little bit sluggish. And I know Colin Batch sort of wanted to clean that up. And I think they've done that really well over the past couple of games. So uh, good couple of goals by Sharp and uh, Bill to get the win there. Um, and then, yeah, obviously the the women, they had a very good comeback against <laughs> the did. US. They went down 1-0 very early, but uh, a goal to Kenny um, sort of towards the end of the, the game and then um, great finish by Mariah Carey to uh, to get the win over the US. you got to feel for the US women too because uh, it was almost like at the end of the game they were just trying to get as much out of themselves as they could. They'd held the lead for so long, they scored early in the game and... Uh, yeah, it was a bit disappointing from their point of view. They put up a great performance, I thought. Yeah, that's right. And I think, um, you know, I feel those teams that are really trying to chase those, those, you know, top echelon teams, I suppose, like the Dutch and, um, you know, Argentina and Australia, sort of, if you can, you know, get those wins on the board, I think they become very important later on down the track. And just while we're on the, uh, the Australian Spain game as well, uh, the goal that the Spanish scored, now it was, it was given to uh, Kamada as the final goal scorer, but I had to go back and have a look and do the freeze frame slow mo, and uh, I reckon it was across the line uh, before he got the touch on it. I yeah, reckon Bolto should have got the goal. It was pretty close. I think you'll say, look, he's he's happy that he was in the right spot, but uh, look, it was definitely heading in. And uh, look, there's been a couple of those little touches. I think yeah. Tom Wickham scored one as well uh, a few weeks ago, where he had a good save at come off the crossbar, and then uh, he knocked it in. So. He, um, yeah, look, uh, he, he'll put that one on his uh, <laughs> on his number sheet at the end of his career, and uh, no one will know any different. Yeah, uh, for my mate Dave, it's the ultimate seagull, Dave, <laughs> the one that's already a goal. That's right. Okay, next up on the Sunday, it was 
Netherlands in the women's taking on China in China at Changzhou and um, well the Netherlands got the job done in the end didn't they but um, China certainly showed that they're capable of competing at that level with the top teams in the world yeah that's right and I think they've probably shown that for the last decade that they've been been close but they haven't been able to quite get there so they've had a few close results um, you know over the pro league so far so Look, they probably, I think, would have liked to have had a few more points. Um, and they obviously came very close there against the Dutch, but just couldn't quite um, hold on. Now, the next game was last night, today morning, whenever... I don't know. It depends where you are <laughs> one, in the globe. One o'clock in the morning last <laughs> night for us Aussies. It was Netherlands-Germany, a game um, many people were looking forward to. Uh, Netherlands at home. Um, and, uh, well, it was a, an exciting match. Of one goal in it... Uh, just a moment. That's yeah. all one goal is, just a moment. Um, I'm sure the Dutch would be very disappointed in that result. Yeah, look, and sometimes that's all you need is just that little moment and, um, you know, a lack of concentration, which uh, is what happens. So, um, you know, Fuchs is always in the right spots and uh, he had a shot from the baseline going for the cross and it came off the inside. Uh, kicker of the keeper and, and went in the back of the net just before uh, just before half time and they ended up defending really well which is what the Germans do um, you know numerous amount of times where they've you know they're one goal up and, and that's all they really need to, to win and get the points on the board Now we do have a little bit of audio from that <laughs> game Grant um, and courtesy of uh, the, the broadcaster there in Holland and, and the FIH and Fox Sports as well we'll play you this a little bit it's a bit of pre-game <laughs> And it's uh, Billy Backer. You can tell the boys were fired up for this game and they wanted to impress. Have a listen to this. Ah, look, it's a great wind-up from Billy there. Some words span all languages, don't they? Yeah, look, I had four seasons in Holland, and uh, it's been a while since I've been back there, and my Dutch has um, sort of passed me on a bit. Look, I think Billy was trying to tell the uh, the young guys to stand up, and um, there was a few other English words which I picked up, uh, <laughs> which I won't repeat. But, um, look, you could tell he's fired up. Oh, um, yeah. You know, they had a close game against Argentina, um, you know, just just before that, which they didn't get any points from, and they yeah. probably should have. Um, so obviously Billy was fired up and wanted to get those uh, those young guys to really stand up and and hopefully put in a a good performance. Unfortunately, they didn't get the points. So mm. hopefully uh, we'll see what happens. It does go to show though he's he's starting to get very comfortable with the cameras being uh, <laughs> close to the action. So. When you were playing, was there anyone in the Australian team that loved to get in, give the pre-game rev up, or was it all very quiet and controlled? Oh no, there are a few guys that that you know were, were, were pretty calm. So Bevan George was always always pretty calm, um, you know, speaking in his country boy accent. Um, but look, uh, Wellesley was a good one for for giving a few sprays um, and some colourful language. Um, but you know, most of the guys were pretty pretty cool, calm, collected. I think every team needs one, one nutter. <laughs> okay, that uh, you know, disappointing result for the Netherlands at home, and um, we've got another bit of um, audio from the Netherlands game to talk about a bit later on. But the last game of the week's round of the Pro League was China taking on the Germans on the women's side of things, and it was a ripping game, very exciting, I thought, and uh, full of intriguing moments. And the Chinese finally break through for their first win in the Pro League, taking out that game two goals to one. They they'd led for 
quite a while at 2-0 before the Germans pulled one back late or midway through the third quarter and fourth quarter. So they were looking looking to try and pinch that draw and send it to a shootout, but the Chinese held firm in the end and uh, a well-deserved victory. Yeah, they did. Look, they, they were under the pump for the whole game. I, yeah. I saw um, most of the game uh, this afternoon when yeah. it was played and, um, you know, they played defensively really, really well. Um, Look, the Germans, um, they, they'll go away from that game thinking that's one they, they should have won. Um, but yeah, the, the Chinese, they scored two goals and, and got up and were able to hang on in the end. And like you said, there are a few uh, controversial decisions there. Yeah, well, we had the, the first goal scored by the Chinese uh, was a reviewed goal. And the issue was whether one of the Chinese players had, had obstructed the runner from Germany. And if you look at the vision, it looks like the Chinese player runs straight in front of the drag flicker. Now, yeah. I don't know any forward in the world that runs straight <laughs> in front of a drag flicker. So it strikes me as that was a set play for that player to run there. She collected the German girl, sent it to the ground. Bit of a head clash between the yeah. pair of them. However, you made the good point that the ball wasn't actually played in that direction. Or they played a, um, a variation to get that goal, hit it wide of the post, and the player bumps it in a standard Saturday afternoon short corner variation. Yeah, that's right. So it was a, a variation back to the injector. Um, yeah. And um, look, this started to come in a bit when I was sort of finishing up where where players and attackers were blocking the defenders. Um, this one I thought it, they were pretty lucky to get away with because yeah. the Chinese runner that was sort of one to the left of the battery... Um, you know, while she had her eyes on the ball, her stick face was facing towards the goal. So, you know, at that point, there was no no real intent to get a deflection from that player. Um, and it was there basically to, to block that number one runner, which they obviously had the clash. Um, the ball was probably past them when they had the clash. But, look, I think that that's that's beside the point. And obviously, you know, that they, they did score from that, that variation, you know, as well. Yeah. Um, obviously, the, the third umpire felt that... Um, you know, it wasn't deemed to be, you know, blocking as such or, or enough um, to affect the play with what was going to happen, and and she, you know, the, the goal stood. I think in in real time they looked fine. There was nothing wrong with it. If you were standing there as an umpire and saw that, you probably wouldn't pick up what had gone on there with the the head clash and the two players running into each other. When you looked at the down the ground vision, the German girl wasn't sure which player she was running to, so she's taken off from the line. And as she's figured out where it's going, she's slightly changed the direction and just gone off a line slightly. Yeah, that's Not that right. it should matter. But yeah, look, there, there was a subtle adjustment there. Yeah. But um, I, I think um, that the dead giveaway was the the stick direction Backstreet, of the yeah. Chinese, where the back the, the back of the stick was actually facing, um, you know, the battery or the castle, as they call it <laughs> uh, in England, which I'm still trying to get my head around. Um, but, um, you know, so that intent to get a deflection there wasn't there if if she was um you know had a stick down on the reverse you know with a face towards the ball yeah. then i think that's just an inter- incidental clash sort of thing because you know she could say well i was i was you know going there for a deflection and the ball went behind me but the fact the stick was around the other way i think that's a, a dead giveaway that it uh you know though she was just there to obstruct that first runner it'll be interesting to see if it gets picked up by other people considering that there's been a bit of talk around about the dangers to runners and yep. adjusting the rules of short corners and i reckon they'll be a little bit tougher on it now uh, maybe, you know, hopefully, I think yeah. that this one, um, you know, generally it. you need one to come up for them yeah. to, you know, start to take a bit more of a look at it. And there was another controversial goal, the, the, the German goal, controversial in the sense that, um, how far is five metres, Grant? <laughs> <laughs> well, this definitely wasn't five metres. It may have been five yards, but, um, you know, it definitely wasn't five. 
five metres. Like, and I think, you know, five yards. It was, there was a free hit just outside yeah. the, or just inside the dotted line. Um, the ball was carried on a diagonal towards the top of the circle. Debatable whether or not it was, it was a, you know, a five yard carry, but, um, you know, the Germans were able to carry the ball over the, over the top of the circle and, and make a passer. Um, I'm not, can't remember who it was on the baseline, but they scored from it. The Chinese reviewed, um, for that fact. And, um, you know, it was touch and go whether or not it was five yards and it was pretty hard for the third umpire to, to make that decision. On another day, it might have gone your way if you're the Chinese. But, you know, it, it's going to join knee high. Yeah. Five metres is now joins knee high as what is, what is exactly <laughs> distance, you know. Yeah. And look, I think it was an eye for an eye. So yeah. they each had one go, you know, either way. So, yeah. In the end, I suppose China come out, uh, you know, one, nil we'll call one, it. one goal ahead, <laughs> and that was actually a very good goal. Yeah. Great, great play down the left hand side. Um, you know, good drag one on one to a to a cross to a Chinese girl in the, in the circle for the score. What we might do now is uh, have a quick rundown of the, uh, the the tables as they stand. First up for the women, uh, the Netherlands have played five. They're sitting on top with a percentage of eighty percent. Remembering that percentage is calculated from the number of points available to you divided by the number of points you get or however you work out percentages you'll figure it out Australia have played one more game than the Netherlands but sitting in sixth place they're just 2.2% 77.8% behind the Netherlands Belgium so they've got games in hand they've only played the three games and are sitting on 66.7% Argentina have had the four games they're on 58% uh, 58.3%. So they round out the top four. Then we have Germany, four games for just the one win and two shootout losses, so they won't be very happy with that, the German girls, you wouldn't think. Uh, New Zealand have played five. They've only they've had two wins from their five games, three losses, nothing from the shootout. China, they're on the board. They have their one victory, uh, five games for that one victory. Uh, Great Britain at three games and one shootout win with the United States sitting on the bottom, unfortunately, with just the one point from a shootout loss. So uh, they've got some work to do ahead of them, both Great Britain and the United States. China, I think, will be sneakies. If they can string a few games together away, they might just be a sneaky for fourth. Because I really rate them. Their defence is, yeah, is great. And you know how hard it is if if you're defending all the time. Sooner or later, the damn wall's going to break. But they they're able to keep their defensive structures together and stay on the job for a long period of time. Yeah, I think their issue obviously is is going to be scoring. I yeah. think they're just lacking that firepower up front. So they're really going to need to make use of their um of their opportunities when they do get in front of the net. No change there for the women in the top four. So things as they were last week. On the men's side of things, Belgium are on the top of the table. So nothing's changed there either. As far as the top goes, they've had four win, four games played for two wins and a shootout win and a shootout loss. So they've managed to get a, a point out of every game they've played. They're on 75%. Australia in second game are placed from their five games on 66.7%. Great Britain are into third place. So they swap places from last week with Australia. Uh, just the three games played for two wins. Uh, Germany round out the top four. They've played four games, of course, picking up uh, the win last night. They're at 58%. Argentina, uh, just the one win from their three games. The Netherlands, surprise packets, uh, five games for just the one win, the one shootout win, and the one shootout loss. So they've, they've scored just the five points. They're on 40% just above Spain, who have played the four games as well without having won one yet, picked up some shootout points. And New Zealand... 
who sadly just have the one shootout loss point to their credit, 8.3%, and uh, they'll be looking to get some points out of this week's games, but we'll talk about that more soon. And I believe you have, so just before we go, top four, Belgium, Australia, Great Britain, and Germany. So Germany top swapping into fourth place ahead of uh, the Netherlands there from last week. Goal scorers, Grant, what have we got on the goal scoring side of things Uh Tell you what, you take that page. We've got our <laughs> patented reverse stick research in front of us. Uh, I've got the men, as it turns out. Hugo Inglis tops the um, the table for the men in goal scoring. He scored four goals, three from field goal and one penalty corner. Jacob Anderson from Australia is in second place with three goals. He's also joined by Thierry Brinkman, Adam Dixon, Jerome Hertzberger, uh, Phil Roper, Lucas Villa and Dan, uh, Lucas Villa. And Sam Ward have all scored three goals in the competition so far. It's fairly tight there on the men's side of things. Um, Probably what's, I think what's interesting with that is there's, there's a lot of field goal scorers uh, at the yeah. top of those lists. So, um, you know, the the PCs haven't quite hit their straps yet. And, um, you know, hopefully maybe some of those guys start to, uh, to move up the leaderboard. Well, of the 88 goals scored, 67 are field goals and just 19 are from penalty corners. Which is quite amazing, really, when yeah. you look at it. I mean, if you look at um, probably the stats over, you know, over a tournament, those those differences would be a lot closer for sure. And uh, the goal average per game after the 16 games have been played is dropping by half a percent to five, uh, half a goal. 5.5 goals a game they're going at. They were over seven a couple of weeks ago, and then Colin Batch mentioned he reckoned things had settled down and they'd stopped scoring so many goals. And uh, Colin's put the kiss of death on the next competition, yeah, hasn't obviously. Hasn't he? Yeah, I think, yeah, I suppose after the last couple of games where there's only, what's that, four goals in the last two games. So yeah, that's going to yeah. hurt. Um, that's going to hurt any average. But hopefully um, they keep scoring goals because that's what the crowd's come to come to see. You've got um, the women's there? Yeah, mate, on the on the women's side of things, we've got uh, Olivia Mary from New Zealand. Um, she's got a total of five goals, so she's two clear of Frederick uh, Matzler from the Netherlands and Mariah Williams, who I think is playing very well at the moment from Australia. She scored three goals as well. And then we've got um, two girls from Giselle Ansley from Great Britain, Savannah Fitzpatrick from Australia, uh, Hannah Gablack uh, has scored two as well. Hannah Grzynski, Dafina Marino, Amy Robson has scored two goals as well. And then there's a quite a number that have scored singles, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm not going to go through the rest no. of those. But, um, look, there's been uh, 63 in total there at uh, 3.3. So they're, They've gone at 3.3 for the whole tournament. There's not much changing there for the ladies. Yeah, that's right. Well, what we might do, Grant, is uh, take a little break and we'll be back to talk about a few things that have popped up over the weekend. <laughs> Okay, folks, this is a bit where the uh, the ads are supposed to go. So uh, if you're an advertiser or you'd like to advertise a product here on Totally Pro League, this is where it'll be. Or perhaps you're a broadcaster and looking to take a podcast on because you'd like to broadcast some hockey to the sports world. You can put your ads in here. And, um, yep, there will be some rolled gold TRS uh, humour coming in the next couple of weeks if no one decides they want to advertise because we've got to fill the space somewhere. Let's get back to the show, shall we? Uh, this is Totally Pro League and this is Hockey. I'm with Grant Schubert. My name's John Lee and uh, time now, Grant, to have a look at a couple of things that happened 
across the weekend and uh, one of the first things that struck me was from the, the Dutch game and um, I've got a little bit of audio here from the, from the half-time coverage of that game but it struck me as something re- really, really interesting um, and you've got a couple of things to say about it afterwards. First of all, here's the, 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 uh, the audio from the, the Netherlands-Germany game at half-time. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. This is what it's all about. Coming to you live from Rotterdam for this FIH Pro League fixture between the Netherlands and Germany. Stockies out there. The mascot from the 2014 Hockey World Cup in Den Haag. And all those youngsters are out there. It's a huge pitch invasion, and this is what they promote here in the Netherlands. And what I think we should promote across the world. Kids on at half-time, they brought their sticks. And it was fantastic to see that, Grant. I, I wasn't aware, but you, you've told me that it's uh, something that happens quite often in Dutch hockey. Yeah, absolutely. I, look, I played four seasons over there at Kampong um, and um, uh, at Klein, Switzerland. And it's it's something they promote. And I was so happy to see that as well um, when, when they came back at that halftime, just to see so many kids on the field. Um, yeah. I think it's a great thing. And, and as I said, in the hoof classer, they, they do the same thing. So at halftime, all the kids are allowed to just jump the fence, get on the field. Um, they all have their sticks and, and a ball, and they just, you know, have a bit of a, 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 bit of a hit. Um, and they're so well drilled now that they know when the announcer tells them to, uh, you know, to, to get off the field. Um, you know, within a minute, the 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 field is clear, um, and the players can come back out again. So, look, I think it's a wonderful thing. It gets the kids involved. Um, you know, the parents can obviously see where their kids are. You know, from the stands. Um, yeah. But I think it, I think it's great just to get that, you know, interaction. So I remember, you know, growing up and. Um, you know, going down to Adelaide from the country and, and going down to the Pines that's in Adelaide and, you know, you, you basically weren't allowed to, to touch the pitch when the international yeah. team was playing and you think, geez, it'd be so good for the kids to get out there, have a have a bit of a run around and actually feel the turf because back in my day, we always used to play on grass, so to actually feel what the turf felt like um, look, I'm not that old, but <laughs> back in the day, back in the um, in the early 90s, um, you know it would have been a wonderful experience as well yeah. so, um, oh, look, I think it's a great thing that they do there in Holland and I think it's something that um, I don't think Holland is probably the only place that does it I reckon Germany might do it as well I'm not 100% sure on that but um, it seems to be like those European yeah. companies pick it up and I think it's just a great thing for that, that interaction for the kids and, and have a bit of fun instead of just sitting up on the grass hill. Look and it was interesting seeing the whole way the game was presented as well like bef- before the game they had I think it was Nick Irvine as a, vo- as a crowd announcer and each player was um, introduced individually. They ran out on the ground and they got to stand there. Everybody got yeah. their moment of glory and stuff. But it, it, it had the sense of event. There was a bit of fireworks going on. Obviously, it was a night game. We probably couldn't have done it here <laughs> if they had day games. But um, it, it had the sense of an event. And I think for the Pro League, it, it, we've got to have some sort of standardisation of, of all these things. And it would be great if at every Pro League venue, at half-time, kids on the pitch... Now, I know there's tight things with broadcasting schedules, but, you know, if you can't spare a minute just to get the kids off the pitch, I'm, I'm sure the players wouldn't mind just wandering out, having an extra minute. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, look, I, I think the thing is that the kids know that as soon as that half-time whistle goes, you know, they can they can jump over the fence, which is what, you know, they know that to be the normal now in Holland, that as yeah. soon as that, um, you know, if they're allowed to do it, they, they know that they can just jump the fence you know, play, get their five minutes or, you know, even if it's four minutes of play on the field um, and then as soon as the radio, you know, the announcer tells them to 
to, to leave the pitch, they get off straight away. So it's something that, you know, as we said, has been drilled into the, the kids and the families over there that come to, to watch all the games that, that are played there in Holland. And, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's great. And I think we need that a little bit more yeah. here in Australia. I'm, I'm, I'm led to believe that, um, it's very much up to the national associations of how they handle these sort of yep. events. And maybe it is something where the, the FIH has got to stand, stand up and say, no, look, this is one competition. We're going to standardise everything. There's going to be this. There's going to be this, and that's how we're going to do it. Yeah, and I look, they're, they're always looking for that crowd interaction. Uh, yeah, I think here in exactly. Perth, they had, I think they might have had, um, you know, four or five little kids doing a blindfold sort of run yeah. from the 25 to the circle, and uh, you know, it wasn't really working. But you know, I think if you had, you know, 50 to 100 kids, you know, out in the field bringing their sticks, I just think that would be. You know, such a better experience for these youngsters to, to then hopefully come next time as well. Oh, I would agree with you, and and maybe they can be listening to our podcast and do yeah. something about it. Get, <laughs> we've got ideas, folks. We've got plenty of ideas. And look, I think it happens at club level here, not so yeah. much maybe at the Perth Hockey Stadium, but um, you know, at the clubs where there's not really a a big fence, you do to get those kids come out of the ground, which is obviously very good. I'll have a word to uh, the vice president <laughs> at Fremantle Hockey Club, see what he has to say. Um, and also uh, the post-game interview stuff that goes on. I don't know what it's like from a player's perspective to have, you know, you've just had a big game of hockey and someone comes up and wants to chat to you and, and be nice and all this. <laughs> so I'm sure for some people it works, for others it doesn't. But I, I'm, I'm a bit bored with what gets asked, to be honest. It's always the same questions and, and they're very, very generic. And I'd like to see sometimes the, the players and coaches be asked something more specific about the game they're playing in. I went to use some audio from the games this week, and in the end I went, nah, it's boring. <laughs> do you like the Pro League? Yes, I like flying around the do. world playing one game of hockey a week. <laughs> it's fantastic. I mean, yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens in that scale of things. But that would be something else that would be nice to be standardised, because not all games are the same. You don't get the coaches after every game. You get them after some games. Blah, blah, blah. Problems, perhaps, with working with so many different broadcasters. And look, I think it's... Uh you know, you could almost say it's a new era that we're sort of, yeah. you know, walking into with hockey now. Do you know what I mean? You know, back when I sort of started playing, you know, hockey for Australia, I remember coming back here after being injured before the World Cup, and and we could get a thirty second update on the uh, on the internet, you know, with with the scores that was happening. So yeah. we've obviously come a long way in in ten years, and it's, you know, this format is obviously very new. Yeah. Um, you know. You know the broadcasters and everyone around and involved need to need to work to make this better and and hopefully we can start to get some consistency there. Uh, one more bit of audio I've got for us. Uh, it's uh, from the Australia Spain game, um, and it it raises another issue about the tournament. Perhaps the authorities have to look at. Uh, thanks to uh, Fox Sport who've done an excellent job of um, broadcasting the games here. I think the broadcasting stuff have been great. The commentary has been really excellent as well. Um, yeah, this is a, a bit of action from the weekend's game. Actually, it's not, not action at the time. They're trying to figure out what the action was. Three and a half minutes left. Wetton receives the ball from Ockenden. Kept the ball in play. And Javid Sheik well plays to make that decision. Over the side it goes from Ruiz. Have you taken anything? Like it's broken? You know? Yeah. Let him change the stick, yeah. You ask the red card. But we cannot ask. Leonard's stick is broken and he's asking whether he can have time to change it. He's saying there should have been a card when his stick got broken. Well, I'm not sure I saw anything when it did break. 
No, I don't think I saw anything either, but maybe he just needs a new brand of stick. Who knows? That's it, you broke it. The, the, the stick is broken there. Is a red card. It's easy. Well, they're saying it's a red card. But I'm not sure there was anything that happened. It's just one of those things in hockey, isn't it? It didn't look to me as if there was anything that caught the attention. Well, folks, I can I can reveal the mystery. Apparently, um, Leonard took a swing at um, young Tom Craig and uh, whacked him across the back and broke his stick. <laughs> That's the story I'm hearing. Yeah, look, I I um I actually seen this happen and I replayed it uh, you know on on Fox and. Um, there was a, a fair bit of push and shove on the circle between the two. There was maybe something happening before that as well. And then they were standing very close together. Um, I don't know if it obviously broke before that, but then in the next sort of movement forward, and I think Tom went to try and get away from him or push away from him. And the next minute you just see, um, you know, Lanart stick fly with a handle, um, you know, bent sort of halfway up the shaft sort of thing. So, um, look, I, I don't think there was too much in it from where the camera angle was the camera angle was um, from behind it was it was very hard to see if there was a camera on the other side of the field you might have been able to pick up on it um, and you know I think in the end you sort of heard the um, the audio there I think that was Sergi Enrique um, saying red it card. should be a red card to, um, to well, try he's an and get expert the Aussie on red guy cards, off and, yeah I'll tell you what he's, he's very good at it so I could um, I could say a bit more about little Enrique, but uh, it's okay. We'll leave that for another day. But um, look, I don't think there was anything in it. Uh, it was a tight tussle. Um, you know, it was a good win by Australia in the end. And um, you know, I don't think there'll be anything more from it. But um, you know, you don't want stick swinging and, and hitting people. Definitely, that's not not in our in our game. It was an interesting place where the stick broke too. Yeah, was it was halfway up the handle, which yeah. you don't get. You know, sort of too often unless you're you're having a swing at a ball sort of thing. So look, I I didn't see anyone swing at at anyone. So I didn't see, you know, Leonard, you know, hit Tom Craig in the back or anything like that. I don't know when his stick broke or when he feel it when he felt it break. But obviously, you know that that last sort of movement, then um, you know his stick was gone. It did. bring up a, a bit of a discussion point after the game for some people because uh, apparently there's there's no technical officer control or whatever you want to call them to, to make a complaint to. At a tournament, you've got the technical officer in charge or the tournament director or whoever, and you can, if you feel something bad's gone on in the field, you can refer that to that person, that incident to the, the person in charge, and they will look at it and um, make a judgment on it and hand out suspensions if necessary. We saw it happen to a Pakistani player at the Champions Trophy last year. Um, apparently, and I'm still trying to dig this out, there's no such mechanism in the Pro League. Yeah, look, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure as much as you, but yeah, I'd, I'd find it um, you know, very interesting if, if that, that process you know, is, is not in place if something was to happen on the field. So, um, you know, I, I would think if there's any incidences that happen on the field that someone would be reviewing those straight away. Um, and if, the, if there's any further action that needs to be taken with swinging sticks and stuff, because there was another one in that game as well yeah. um, that wasn't really picked up on too much. Um, but I know Blake Covers had um, <laughs> yeah, his eyes were on it <laughs> to say to the Spanish player, um, which is good on him because we, we don't, as, as we've already said, we don't want that in our game. And there, sh- there should be a process that, um, that that should be in place that if there are issues, um, you know, that they can be referred to and the incident gets dealt with. <laughs>
it's another ad break, folks. You know what's supposed to happen here. You're supposed to hear um, the words of people encouraging you to buy their product. And you could have those words played on this podcast. Get in touch. John at thereversestick.net.au This is Totally Pro League. I'm here with Grant Schubert. Grant, it's been great having you in the program, on the program tonight. Um, fantastic uh, week of hockey it has been, and uh, got another interesting weekend coming up. All of the games are coming from North Harbour Stadium in Auckland. Uh, played on Friday the 8th and Sunday the 10th. Have you played at North Harbour Stadium? Uh, no, not at North Harbour. I um I had the pleasure of playing, uh, where did I play in Christchurch? Okay. Uh, a couple, and then, um, I think I went to Windy Wellington, had a game there, and, uh, went down to lovely Invercargill. Oh, did we you? Smashed by sleet and hail. We still got the win for the Oceania <laughs> Cup, but, um, yes, marvellous place, Invercargill, very cold. Yeah, my, my brother's, uh, <laughs> living in Dunedin at the moment, which I, isn't too far away from Invercargill yeah. from what I hear. Yes. It was a big shot going from Jakarta, <laughs> I can tell you. Now, let's get on to um, uh, these games this weekend. As I said, they're all involving New Zealand. First up, the women's game on Friday. It's at 5pm local New Zealand time. It's New Zealand versus the USA, the women's side of things. Both teams desperate for a win there. You got a tip? Uh, look, I think um, I think the Kiwis will get up there at new home. New coach. And, uh, yeah, new coach. The, well, uh, I'm the not Irish sure coach. if he'll be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hopefully he can um, get down there. So, um, look, I think they're playing reasonably okay at the moment, so I think they'll get the, the win over the US. Just haven't been able to score goals, have they? Oh, I mean, that's the key to hockey. You know, they just haven't <laughs> been... They're not getting the right amount of um, reward for the... the pr- pressure they're putting on I don't yeah think. look that's always a frustrating thing you know as a coach when you when you get those opportunities they're not they're not put away and that's followed up at 7 p.m uh, local time in Auckland as New Zealand take on Spain on the men's side of things uh, you'd think the Spanish might be a bit too strong for the New Zealanders at the moment yeah I think um look I think it'll be a close game um, I think I think this I think the Spanish will just get up but I wouldn't be surprised if that was a uh, if that was a draw in the end and went to penalty shootouts now we move ahead to the Sunday. We've got uh, a 2.30pm uh, game, so they slip back into the afternoon a little bit there. The men kick off uh, Sunday's action, and they're playing Argentina. It's Argentina for the women as well. That game's coming up at 4.30pm uh, on the Sunday. Uh, Argentina, I just see, as being too strong in both games. Yeah, I think so. Look, they're, they're very skillful, and um, I think New Zealand are going to have to play very well to, to get any points out of that game. I can see uh, Payat probably if they, if they can get a few penalty corners against New Zealanders, he could have one of his days because he tends to have days and doesn't have days if you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think Matelli hurt his shoulder as well uh, in the last game, so he'll be missing. Yeah, you know, they'll be missing that firepower yeah. up front there. But um, look, if uh, if Payat uh, gets the ball rolling and um, gets those flying off his stick, they're pretty hard to stop. He's a really interesting player because I think there's no doubt when he came onto the international scene, people looked at him and went. Yeah, drag flicker, fullback, yeah, maybe. But he's really developed as a quality defensive player. He, you know, I think previously he got in on the back of being a drag flicker. Now he makes it just as a fullback, and the drag flicking happens to be something he does on the side. Yeah, look, I think that's happened. I think if you look at a lot of the really good drag flickers, that's that 
has tend to be their case sort of thing. You know, someone's really developed that skill very well. They've they've been able to get their opportunity in their national team and then have sort of taken a bit of time to to de- develop into to very good players. So he is one that um has definitely improved out of sight over the last four or five years. Well. Look, oh, you, you're tipping Argentina for those two. We're yep. not keeping tips here. We're not keeping a record because I don't want people to know how bad a tipper I am. But if you want to go back through all the old episodes and hear how I went, feel free. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Grant. It's been fabulous to have you here. Hopefully we can uh, squeeze you in a few more times during this Pro League season. Um, we've Maybe after the Australian Games in Sydney we'll have a chat about that because yeah, uh, nice. they're, they're coming around the corner. You know, can't get a ticket for that one, can you? No, no, it's, it's more so getting the time away from the uh, the family over the weekend. Yeah. I think that's the uh, toughest one. I've I've been away a little bit over the past uh, probably six months, so it'd be good to. Um, I've got to get some points up again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and while while we're here, I'm calling Sydney out. Uh, terrible crowd for for Saturday's games. Um, Two thousand and thirty-eight people. Sydney, not good enough. I know it's at home bush. I know you have to play for your parking. But you've got to get there for hockey. We need you there. So make sure you New South Wales that you turn up in two weeks' time and a week and a half's time. Remember, we we did actually vote here in WA through a referendum to secede. It's been sitting in a cupboard in uh, the Parliament House since 1933, waiting for Parliament to sign it. We can always drag it out and, <laughs> and dust that one off if you're not bringing the crowds in. Thanks for your time, Grant. It's been fabulous. No, thanks, John. Oh, wow.